Amen. God is good. And all the time. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, oh Holy Spirit, come down like the rain and nurture our dry spirits that so desperately seek to connect with you, to be filled by you, to be renewed by you, to be rekindled by you. Lord, come into our community that we may see the dry places in which desperately need to experience your living and loving presence. Lord, thank you for meeting us here each Sunday. Thank you that it's not just on Sunday that we hang out with you, but each day. So on this morning, once again, set me aside that your spirit and our hearts will be refreshed in a new way. In your name, I pray. Amen. It was Friday, October 22nd, two weeks ago. It was an average fall day, but nothing about this day would be average. The sun was out. The leaves were changing colors. It was about 9.30 in the morning. We were told to be there early if we could. The walls in the office were pale blue. The ceiling was white. About an hour later, the doctor came into the room. You have cancer. And this ain't no ordinary cancer. Not that cancer is ever ordinary, but it's a very aggressive lymphoma. And you need treatment right away, today if we could. But on Monday, you'll get a port, have preparations, and on Tuesday, you'll start chemo. We're going to hit it with everything we've got. These words were not for me, but were for my father, with whom I was with. Words that I've heard before, words that weren't quite expected to this level, words that maybe you have received or one that you've loved has received, words that when you hear them, it begins to rock your world and your mind begins to run and it begins to race. And you begin to think of everything that needs to be done. So that's what we did for the rest of the day Friday and for most of that Saturday till mid-afternoon that I realized I need to be getting back to Memphis to get ready for Sunday. So it was late afternoon and not eating lunch. I pulled through the drive-thru. Chick-fil-A, of course. Chicken sandwich, lettuce, tomato. No spicy this time. It had been stressful 24 days. And, and, and waffle fries, of course. I decided to pull off into a parking spot. I was hungry. I wanted to eat the fries. And so I started to eat them and was going to put ketchup on my sandwich because they won't put ketchup on your sandwiches in line. So I had to do it myself. And then all of a sudden it hit me. 
A still voice said, Be still, Wade. Be still and know that I am God. You know that verse? Do you remember that? It comes from Psalm 46, verse 10. Perhaps it's a verse you've known. Perhaps it's a verse that has been spoken to you in a time that you've been in your life or your family's. Perhaps you've got it on a pillar or on the wall or outlined or circled or highlighted in your Bible. And I sat there. I sat there for about 30 minutes. It felt good. It refocused me. It comforted me. And I began to look up other scriptures that were pertaining to this. And I came across this verse from Exodus 14, verse 14. Chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You are only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You are to only be still. I think that's the verse that's going to guide me over these next weeks and months ahead. I think this is the very verse that's going to call me back to God when I get too consumed with everything else that's happening and going on to be reminded of God's presence and to be reminded to be still. We've been talking through these stories of Elijah these past weeks. Talking about somebody who had a lot going on. Talking about somebody whose life was being threatened. Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. His life has been threatened by King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, the wicked witch of Israel. Elijah has depended on a non-Jewish widow to feed him and house him. With one serving of flour and one serving of oil. 450 prophets that Elijah has battled. And one prophet of God, him, Elijah himself, of offering their, burnt, or offering their bull sacrifice as a burnt offering. But it's only the God of Elijah who consumes the offering. And now Elijah is on the run again. Because Jezebel ain't real happy with what he has been doing and is pursuing him. So today we pick up the story in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. It's verses 1 through 15 to see what Elijah is up to now and how his experience with the earth, the wind, and the fire of what happens after this long journey that he makes. Join me in our scripture reading today with your Bibles that you brought with you, with your devices, with the Bibles that are in the pew pads at home. I hope you'll take a second and grab your Bible if it's anywhere near you this morning. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel that all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, 
he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked up, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and he drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and he drank. And then he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights, to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave, and he spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. Throw down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there is a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel as king over Aram. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. From the beginning, Elijah has been seeking to do the right thing. That is what God has called him to do, but the journey has been far from easy. Elijah, with God's help, has just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. He's done miracles, called fire down from heaven, and confronted a powerful king over his people's sin. And now, the three-year drought has ended, and the rains have, become, have begun to come down. But Elijah's life is still being sought and he's run 17 miles. Somehow he gets there before the chariot gets there. Life for Elijah's life has been larger than life. But in today's text, we see that Elijah's intimidated. 
He's self-doubting and even wants to die. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been there? That things seem to be so bad you're just tired and ready to quit? You seek to do the right thing and you get persecuted. You try to speak truth into a situation and people are quick to criticize. You can't take the pressure, the loneliness anymore. Elijah is once again on the run because Jezebel wants him dead. Jezebel sends a messenger to tell him so. Now I find it ironic here that she sends a messenger to tell him that she's going to kill him, but the messenger doesn't do that? Could the messenger have perhaps been an angel watching over Elijah that God was watching over Elijah? What about us? During these tough times, do we focus on the message or the messenger? And I'm talking about the big M, messenger. Do we focus on why or where God might be in our difficult situation? Elijah is being persecuted for doing the work that God has called him to do. His life is being threatened. He's on the edge of burnout, maybe even depressed. He flees. He complains. He sleeps a lot. He has to be told to eat. He blames others. He feels all alone. Sound familiar? But what does God do to Elijah? How does God respond to Elijah? Does he rebuke him? Does he make fun of him? No. God meets him right where he is. God accepts him and he calls him back to ministry. Look at verse 15. Go, Elijah, return to your way. God does not let Elijah go despite his despair, his doubts, or his depression. And I hope you hear this morning, each one of you and myself, God does not let you go either. God does not let you go either. It's been another tough COVID year that has only been accentuated by the passing of of a loved one for many here. But God does not let you go. We begin to see uh, an inside look into Elijah's life and situation in verses 3 through 8. And verse 4, we see that Elijah's had enough. Whether you've lost a loved one or facing some insurmountable challenge, that's the future is uncertain. Have you ever felt ready to give up? Have you ever just wanted to say, I'm done? Don't give up. God provides for the basic needs of Elijah, and God seeks to provide the basic needs that each of you and me have. 
cake baked on hot coals, a jug of water. Verse 6 talks about it right there in the middle of the desert? Really? They were delivered by an angel. And it's interesting here that the same word used for angel in this case in verse 6 was the same word used in verse 2 for the messenger that Jezebel had sent to Elijah. You wonder, is this messenger going to hurt Elijah or help him? Our help often doesn't come in the forms that we expect it. The non-Jewish widow in Zarephath that took care of Elijah for years through this sustenance that's provided God is preparing Elijah for a journey that he does not yet understand I think some of you are on such a journey I know I am Sometimes what we're going through now better prepares us for something down the road. Elijah journeys for how long? Look in verse 8. Forty days and forty nights. Hmm. Ring a bell? Where is he headed to? What's the name of the mountain he's headed to? Mount Horeb. Do you know what Mount Horeb is? It's also known as... Sinai. 40 days, 40 nights, Mount Sinai. Who do you think of? Moses and what? The Ten Commandments. There at Mount Horeb, Elijah goes to a cave. In verse 10, we see that the word of the Lord comes to him at night. And it asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord says, go out on the mountain, I'm headed your way. And there's a great earthquake, but the Lord's not in it. There's a great wind, but the Lord's not in it. There's a great fire, but the Lord's not in it. Elijah then hears a noise, goes to the edge of the cave, and is there asked the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord tells Elijah to go back. To go back the way you came and anoint new leaders for Israel. Where was the presence of the Lord? In the earthquake? In the wind? In the fire? In the sheer silence. The Lord was present in that still moment. How often do we look for God in the powerful, transformational situations? How often do we ask God to arrive in a big red truck with the white letter, with the white ladder, with the sirens on and the lights flashing? Sometimes God's very present is in the ordinary and unspectacular. Sometimes God's presence is in the whisper. Sometimes God's presence is in. One of my favorite times of the day is the early morning. God's creatures are 
chirping and bouncing, but the world's mostly asleep. God doesn't appear to us only in one way. His appearance is not always marked by fireworks, thank goodness. Sometimes it's in the ordinary task of life that God is quietly working out history. Sometimes he's working in the chaos. We just need to be still and listen. God may be present in the silence of the morning or in the birth of a child in a stable to an unwed mother or in the death of an innocent man on the cross. Where in your life are you facing chaos? Perhaps hostility? Maybe even despair? Is this from someone else or something going on on the outside? Or if we're honest, is it really deep, deep within? Slow down. Stop running. Stop doing. Stop fighting. And be still. And know that I am God. God has something to say that is more meaningful and longer lasting than anything that this world can give us. For Elijah, it was a message to go. Return on your way, for there is still work to be done. For me, it was a message to let the Lord do the fighting. And you, be still. What is the message that the Lord is wanting to share with you today? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.